The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, actually my second time coming uh, here. I think I was here a few years back, but thank you for inviting me back. I, I think some things have changed up here. If some of you were here at the time, you know I actually played a game up here with some of y'all. Uh, so anyway, so that I think because of that, they probably moved some more furniture on here, so I won't do that again. Um, but uh, so yeah, I am a, a pastor in, in the city, but what city? It's the city of Philadelphia, so it's not the only city in the world, right? Uh, but, uh, but I come from, uh, like Mark said, I come from uh, New York City. Um, and by grace alone, BGA for short is doing well. Uh, I won't, won't dwell too much on that, but I, I will just say that God is on the move there, using us to connect and to, to just uh, walk alongside our neighbors uh, in the Frankfurt and Northwood areas of Philadelphia with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the holistic gospel of Jesus Christ. And one exciting way that God has been moving on the move um, with me and my church recently, and something I've been practicing with my congregation, is something called the rhythm of rest. It's a rhythm of rest. And so um, it's, it's finding, finding our rhythm of rest is important. And let me see if this works. There we go. Ooh, actually, that, that was already there. There you go. Um, so finding our rhythm of rest is important. And I wanted to kind of share with you what I've been learning. It actually began when I took a sabbatical. A sabbatical is about, you know, I, I took a three-month sabbatical. It could be six months. It could be less or more. Uh, away from the church a few years back after, after ministering in the church for uh, I would say, uh, I guess at that point, 14 years, uh, maybe 15 years by that time. And, and it, was, um, it, it was just a great time of just being away. I went from January to March of, of that same year, and it was a wonderful three months. We, my, my, my children, um, my daughter, who's now 19, Mia Gabriela, she's at Regent University. She is um, uh, very, uh, yeah, she, she makes me feel old. And then my other daughter, Juliet, she's getting into college, so we're almost empty nesters here. Um, and so, so they ha- had only known BGA. They had only known by grace alone. And I wanted them to, to experience the, uh, as much as possible the, the full body of Christ. And so we went out uh, in that time and we spent as much time as possible together as a family, but also just going to different churches and just gleaning and learning and, and just being um, with the body of Christ. And it was good. And one church that we went to was in Queens, New York, and it was a church called New Life Church. Um, and they, they've, been, they, they've been for the last 25 years on this journey of striving uh, to be emotionally healthy and spiritual. So it's kind of like emotionally healthy spirituality is, is their niche uh, or their niche. And, and a lot of what I'm about to share today is from their findings and from Pat Scazzaro's, the pastor, the former pastor there. Uh, I think Rich Velotis is now the pastor there. But Pastor Scazzaro and his, and his work and his, his book and his uh, video series and everything, you can look it up, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It, it has impacted me. And what I want to focus on today is, is that you can't truly live and you, you, you really can't be successful even in your studies or in your future career. And you can't have healthy relationships unless you find your rest in God in this oftentimes chaotic world. And, and our brother here already mentioned this uh, school has started or the semester has started, right? And the, the chaos and hecticness of, of papers and, and uh, quizzes coming up and readings to do, it's already present. So I, I submit to you today that you cannot function well unless you have a rhythm of rest. And so what, what are we going to talk about today? Real quick, we're going to talk about practicing silence. We're going to talk about learning to say no. No is not a curse word. No is not a bad word, right? It's a good word to use in the right way. And also resting, delighting, and contemplating. 
And so with that, let, let's get right into it. One of the, one of the most important things to do, um, at, at, well, one of the hardest things to do is to simply remain silent. It's to simply stop, right? Uh, it, it's not to pray. It's not to praise God even in your, in your mind uh, within either out loud or, or in your mind, but to simply be still, even close your eyes and remain silent for a certain amount of time. That's a difficult thing for our culture to practice. Just to kind of soak in the presence of God. It, you know, we live in a microwave, light, speed, busy, cultural type of, of generation. There is no room for silence. It's awkward, right? It's strange. It's foreign to all of us. We can't even wash dishes or we can't even cook a meal without, um, or do any menial task without having background music, right? Well, having something in the background or maybe a, a Netflix uh, a video playing in the, in the foreground. It's very difficult for us to be silent, and yet silence is a spiritual discipline that many of the saints of old that came before us practiced and they benefited from in their lives. So I want to challenge you. Can you be silent before God and simply sit at His feet, incline your ear to His voice on a daily basis? I I, I encourage you to practice it on a daily basis, even if it's a minute, two minutes, uh, to start your day and even to stop your day. Sometimes it's helpful just to stop in the middle of your day and just say, okay, I'm going to chill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, uh, not Netflix and chill, but God and chill. You know, I'm going to do that right now, uh, right? And so, so we have to realize that silence is a gift from the Lord. And while there's no set way that the Word of God teaches us to practice silence in our lives, the reality of it is that it can be practiced with, with others, you can be silent together or, or you can be silent on your own. Jesus demonstrated both ways. Jesus would oftentimes practice silence and solitude that's getting away in his ministry here on earth. And, and you talk about someone who had the most important uh, mission in life, right? The most important ministry. I spoke about this yesterday in my church. It's not in my notes. But I spoke about this yesterday in my church in, in the sense of how Jesus, you never find him hurrying. He was never in a hurry. Even, even in the beginning of his ministry, it took 30 years for him to actually be baptized and then start the ministry. And even then, he, God, the Holy Spirit, brought him into the wilderness, the desert, for 40 days, 40 nights. He was not in a hurry, even though he had the most important mission in the world to seek and save that which was lost, you and I. But yet he still knew God's timing. And if you look at that story, the passage also about the three temptations, you'll notice that, that Satan was trying to hurry him up. Hurry up and make bread because you're hungry, Right? Hurry up and be famous. Show yourself, right? Show yourself to be the Messiah. Throw yourself off the temple and you'll, you'll be known as a Messiah. Hurry up and, be, and, and, and have all these accolades, all this glory. But he said, worship the Lord God and glorify him only. So Jesus was never in a hurry in, in any part of his life. In fact, even when he was interrupted, he allowed that interruption to, to, to be interrupted by something else. If you look at different stories of the Bible, it's crazy. And yet, and yet when, uh, and I, I, wanna, you know, I, want, I want you to understand this. And, and Jesus had this important ministry, and yet he took the time. For example, very early in Jesus' ministry, this is what Luke records um, for us in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Let me give you a bit, a bit of context. This is before the choosing of the 12 disciples, right? Before he chooses this, Jesus, what did he do? He, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus tended to pray. This was his modus operandi. He, 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 he operated out of this. He, he would get away in silence and solitude before any major event, but also even before any minor event. He just had a practice of spending time. He had the rhythm of rest with the Lord, with his Father. 
And there's, there's also this one particular time in Jesus' ministry where all the four Gospels um, actually wrote about this. They highlighted different aspects of what happened, but, but it's the same event. It's around the time when Jesus fed the 5,000. It's actually 5,000 plus because only the men were counting, right? So there was women and children involved, and, and, and the, the crowd was huge. And they were, they were following him around, and, and there, there was a, it was really a heyday of ministry. It's amazing. This is how, this is how Mark the gospel writer relates what happened if you look up there. But just to give you context again, this is Jesus just finished sending out the 12 disciples to go two by two to preach and to, 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 to ask people to repent, to call them to repentance. And he used them to drive out demons and to heal the sick and all that happened, right? It was great. And then Jesus' cousin during this time, Jesus' cousin, John the baptizer, he has been killed by beheading. Cruel. And then the 12 um, come back, and a lot of people are buzzing around them. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of excitement. And this, this is how Mark describes it. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, hey, let's, let's start a, a camp revival. Let's do a tent revival, right? Let, let's gather everyone and let's, let's collect an offering. No, he didn't say that, right? He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went by themselves to, in a boat to a solitary place. Notice that Jesus did not do what many modern pastors and leaders, even myself, would be tempted to do. We would, we would have felt the need. And, and you know, some, some are altruistic in their, in their perspective. I, w- I hope I, that I would be altruistic. I would feel the need, the, the compulsion to say, man, we, we got to fan the flame of spirituality in these people. We got to make sure they're growing in the faith. We got to hang with them. We got to just make sure we're pouring into them, even at our own expense or our family's expense. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus instead knew the absolute need to go away to a solitary place to rest in his Father's presence with others, even in the midst of the heyday, right? In the midst of this glorious ministry that was happening around him. And then after he and his disciples served the 5,000 plus, this is what Matthew records in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. After he had dismissed, again, dismissed the crowd, and after he had made his 12 disciples get into a boat and sail on ahead of him, he went on on a, on a mountainside by himself. This is, this is the way he operated. This is how he rolled. He went on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. I would bet that if Jesus spent a long time on that mountainside praying to the Father, that some of that time, if not most of that time, was spent just soaking in the Father's presence, being silent, resting in the Father's presence. Jesus gives us a precedence for the spiritual practice. We need to be silent before God. It's a spiritual practice that we don't often do. And one of the best ways that you will grow in your faith is to be silent, be still, and know that he is God. So I want to do something with you. So I'm going to, and this is going to be awkward, it's going to be crazy, a little bit crazy, scary maybe for some of you, and just like, wow, is, is he, did he really press the right button? But I'm just going to give us two minutes. I'm going to give us two minutes, and we're going to be silent before God in these two minutes. What I want you to do, when your mind focuses on some, something else, I want you to use the phrase, Jesus, I'm in need of you. Just, just let, let yourself soak in the Lord's presence. So I invite you to close your eyes if you will. You don't have to. And just be still. Have your hands on your lap. You don't have to, but that's, that's how I do it. And we're going to do that for two minutes starting now.
You know, one time I, I did that and I forgot to hit the, the button and uh, ended up being, being a lot more than two minutes. <laughs> and so it could be an awkward uh, thing to be silent before the Lord. It could be an awkward thing, but it could be also an enriching thing, a re- resetting thing, a resting thing. You know, there's another aspect of finding a rhythm of rest is to learn to say no to certain things in your life on a consistent basis. And really what I mean by saying no is to stop, is to cease, is to, is to go from, from doing... So basically to say, I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at right now. God demonstrates how much we need to stop in our lives by even giving us, giving us examples, right? So one example that he gives us is the seasons of life. So we know that in wintertime, there's not a lot we can do outdoors. We can't go out and play basketball so much because there's snow on the ground, right? Um, we, we can't do a lot of outdoor activities, so we have to slow, slow it down a bit. And then even, but, but as even the season, the different seasons allows us to function in different ways. And so he knows we need a rhythm. He knows we need time for different things. But on top of that, God shows us our limits by also just giving us a day and a night. And I thank God for the night as much as I thank God for the day. Because he has given us bodies that need rest. He's given us bodies that, that we, need, we need to really be thankful for this nighttime that allows us. And some of us, you know, mis, misuse that time and, and keep, keep that light bulb on when we should be resting. It's a God-given gift to say no. But God has also given us this wonderful tool to say no in the, in the form of a Sabbath. And I, I, want, I want you to understand this. Sabbath rest is important. And not, not as a have to do, but a want to do. Right? I fully understand that we are no longer under the law. As a matter of fact, Jesus has fulfilled the law. Right? That's a beautiful thing. And yet the beauty is that the law does give us um, wonderful tools and wonderful ways in which we can live. It's a can live and not a have to live. The, the, the gentleman, the, the pastor that I re- referenced before, Pete Scazzaro, he, he said this, Sabbath is not dependent upon our readiness to stop. Sabbath doesn't depend on you being willing to stop. We do not stop when we are finished. We do not stop when we complete our phone calls. We do not stop when we finish our project. I sound like Dr. Seuss, right? We do not stop. We do not stop. We do not stop when we complete our phone calls. We do not stop when we finish our project. We do not stop after we answer all the unopened emails in our inbox. We do not stop after we get out this report that is due tomorrow. We stop because it is time to stop. And you know what? Sabbath requires surrender. It's beautiful. And again, this stopping is really another way of saying no. When we learn to say no, we learn to stop. And really, we are practicing a rhythm of setting limits in our lives. And limits are, and boundaries are great for us. And the ultimate limit, the ultimate boundary, the ultimate form of saying no, again, is to practice Sabbath rest. And oh boy, that's, that's a difficult thing to do. And again, to practice a tw- I, I practice a 24-hour rest. From right now, I go from Friday to Trushaba, Friday to Saturday. I used to do Sunday, 3 p.m. to Monday, 3 p.m. because I was a pastor. And I, but now, now I'm trying to practice that with my family. And, but ultimately, as, as Pete Scazzaro says again, he says, we stop on Sabbath because God is on the throne. Amen? Assuring us the world will not stop or fall apart if we cease our activities life on this side of heaven is an unfinished symphony think about that you you always you'll never finish the symphony that god has given to you symphony called life we accomplish our one goal and then immediately are confronted with new opportunities and challenges but ultimately we will die with countless unfinished projects and goals and that's okay God is at work taking care of the universe. We are not God. He is 
on his throne. He is God. Could this be why God has the psalmist sing these lines in Scripture? Take a look at this, Psalm 37, beautiful. Psalmist is encouraging his listeners to live a life of trust, of resting in God, of, of Sabbathing, of saying no to the hurry of life and the values of this world. And it says, do not fret because of those who are evil or, or, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness reward, uh, righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And then the beautiful words, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Again, do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. And again, we find in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It's in the midst of chaos and destruction around you, even in the midst of overabundance and luxury and clear signs of wealth that can be distracting around you, God is saying, be still and know that I alone am God. So again, the ultimate act of trust, the ultimate act of sacrifice, the ultimate form of saying no in our lives is stopping our regular rhythm, our day-to-day -day hectic rhythm, and resting in the Lord in a defined, intentional way. So really, when I talk about finding a rhythm of rest, remember, nothing is new under the sun. Again, I'm really talking about, again, learning to practice Sabbath in our lives. And literally, to Sabbath, again, means to stop, cease your regular routine of life. And when we stop our work or our routine, what we're doing is imitating God because God worked to form the universe in six days and in the seventh, a defined moment of time, he stopped and he rested, not so much because he needed it, but because we, he knew that we needed it modeled for us. Again, I see the scriptures teaching us to have a 24-hour period of Sabbath, a full day, but which day is not as clear, you know, but, but what is clear is that the, the life rhythm that we are called to practice is six days work, one day rest. But again, what that looks like is different for every person, every family, and every community, I believe. And so Sabbath is meant to be an experiencing of God's rest and a time of reflecting on God's grace and provision over our lives. It's really a point of trusting. And again, you will need to trust that the world will go on and will not screech to a halt on its axis because you have stopped and rested. Sabbath is a deliberate act of not doing and thus a deliberate act of receiving, which is difficult for many of us, including me, to do. The reality is that you need to Sabbath because you were created for it. And life will go on without you being behind the wheel. As a matter of fact, you're not even behind the wheel. You think you're behind the wheel. We think we're behind the wheel, right? Sabbath keeping is all about surrender. It's about trusting God that he has a better plan, a better rhythm for my life than I can ever come up with. So, so the call to Sabbath or the call to find your rhythm of rest it is, is an intentional practice of taking a day in the week and stopping. So it's stopping uh, from whatever you're doing professionally or domestic. This is really an act of trusting, resting to do the things that replenish you, things that give you energy back. And it could be walking in the woods. It could be, and you have plenty of woods around here, right? It could be reading a book, watching a, a, a good movie as well, playing games with your family. That's part of Sabbathing. But it's also delighting. We're called delight, delight in creation, delight in our Lord and all the gifts that he's given. This includes enjoying, again, nature and delighting in people around us, but it just in delighting in just his presence. It's called worship. And then contemplating, also an act of worship. It's, it's an act of thinking on the Lord. So Sabbathing is not just a day off where you can just kind of do whatever you know. It's Sabbath is an intentional practice of you, again, stopping, resting, delighting, 
and contemplating. As we come to a close, remember that God is calling you to find your rhythm of rest that will be consistent in your life, especially as your life gets busier and your deadlines approach. And he has given you the examples all around you of what that looks like, and he's given you the tool. One tool is, again, what, what, we, what he said about Sabbathing. Sabbath is, is it's interesting. I love the, the way, again, Pete re- reminds us of what Sabbath is. He says, Sabbath is like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day every week. Now, this might not be actually a good thing for those who have to shovel snow, right? Or those landscapers, right? So, so one person, when I spoke about this, came up to me and said, that's not good for me. But still, for the most of us, most of us, it's like receiving the gift of a heavy snow day, right? Stores are closed, roads are impassable. Suddenly, you have the gift of a day to do whatever you want. You don't have any obligations, pressures, or responsibilities. You have a permission to play, be with friends, take a nap, read a book. Few of us would give ourselves a no-obligation day very often. God does every seventh day. And as, as you figure out your own rhythm of rest, and I really encourage you to do that in small increments. Again, two minutes of silence, just, just stopping your day, practicing, even if it's not a 24-hour Sabbath, just practicing some, some time where you are not doing, but you're, you're stopping, you're delighting, you're resting, you're contemplating. I encourage you to do that, especially as this, this semester has just begun, I, I, I'm imagining. And as you figure out your own Sabbath rest, know that the end goal is the pursuit of God. The end goal is the pursuit of God. Your relationship with God and with others is key. And as you explore what it means to stop, to rest, to delight, to contemplate, I pray that you would find joy and experience the presence of the Lord. As the world around you continues on its hectic pace, don't worry about that. I want you to to really practice this. I want you to really lean into this. Really lean into the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, there is much that was said today. There's much that, God, you, you um, have laid upon my brothers and sisters here, Father. And I just pray that they would not just be hearers of your word, but doers. That they would hear you calling them, Lord. They hear you calling them to, to, to get out of the, the, the race that is destroying them, Lord. Um, by just being constantly on the move. Help them to find ways of practicing rest in you. Help them to rest and to worship, Lord, to contemplate, to delight in you, Lord, to know what that is. Because for no other reason, because Jesus did it. But there's many more reasons to do it. But because our Master, our Lord, our Savior did it, Lord, and we as being disciples of Jesus, help us to follow in his footsteps. So, Lord, I just pray a blessing over your people here. That, God, that they would take time to listen to you in the very hard moments. And sometimes those silent moments can be the more difficult moments because when, when, when we're silent, Lord, the voices inside tend to, to try to grab our attention. But Lord, it's those times that we say, Lord Jesus, we are in need of you. And those times we quiet and settle our hearts and remember scripture. Remember, Lord, that, that your word indeed says, be still and know that I am God. So God, I just release um, these saints, Lord, these young saints to go out and practice that, Lord, even as they are living, moving, having their being in you, even, Lord, as they're doing what you call them to do, the great works, the poema works that you've called them to do, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.